This podcast is offered by Black Mountain Zen on the web at blackmountainzen.org. Our public offerings are made possible by the kind donation from people like you. Good evening. secret of Zen, maybe it's a secret of life, it's just whatever the heck's happening, make it look like it's exactly what was supposed to happen. <laughs> this was all staged for your benefit. <laughs> I came in here before the talk and I was sitting right there where Mark is. And then I thought, I better get the clock so I know how long I've got. And I walked across here, because the clock was here. I mean, I did turn and bow, but actually, uh, the etiquette of Zen would have been to walk here and bow and then walk there. Here's what came to mind, and um, at the start of Seamus Heaney's poem, Postscript, he starts, sometime mid-time, you know, and it's exquisite poem, but I'm not going to quote the rest of it. sometime make time to go out west to the flaggy shore. Um, make time. You know? It's a very interesting phrase. You know? And uh, I don't have time to walk all that way round to there. <laughs> I'm in a hurry. I have things to do and places to be. How do you make time? Yeah. How do you make time for something, anything? Uh, and part of the etiquette of Zen, you know, how you move around the Zendo or any foremost space, and then how you translate that to any space. You know, you. Uh, I hear sometimes people kid and they say, well, it's do it the most awkward way, you know. <laughs> Why go the shortest distance between two points when you can take a circuitous route? Um, but it's about making time. It's, it's about... Um, undoing something within us that uh, is suffering under the scarcity of time. That's compelled by circumstances and conditions to behave a certain way. Um, Like in the poem he's saying, 
sometime make time to do something that's really exquisite you know go out to this place on the west coast the flaggy shore uh, and then he goes on and he recounts this time he did this and how exquisite it was you know? um, and how we relate to the external world how do we relate to the experience of the demands or the urgencies of our life and how we relate to the what that conjures up within us And it's a very interesting notion. You think of moments when you felt like that was an amazing time, an amazing moment. Time stood still. Time slowed down. Make the time to walk around here And remember that even though something in you is saying there isn't time, make the time. And in a very significant way, this is what Zazen is. Make the time to be what's happening. Make the time to be present and experience the inhale. Make the time to be present and experience the exhale. With the sound of the car. It can just be that, the sound of the car. something in us uh, shifts yeah. it's like something in us remembers what uh, presences There's a Japanese word, yutori. And as far as I can tell, it translates as something like uh, spaciousness, ease, um, 
both as an attitude and as a way of engaging. Hmm. And then there's a delicate balance for us. Hmm. Even though we might use the word make time, as we explore it, it's it's more about allowing or even giving over. Give your life over to walking around the bowing mat. Even though you may have other ideas about how to live your life or what's important or what's efficient. Give over to the exhale. Can can it give you some hint about how um, how to live your life in a way that just isn't somehow an unrelenting effort? to make something, to make life something other than what's happening in the moment. Breath after breath, inhale and exhale. Can there be this study of what it is to let it happen, what it is to let it go? And as you do it, sometimes you discover it just happens so easily and so readily. And sometimes you discover it seems like it's the last thing in the world you're willing to do. I'll try everything else first. You know? I am way too busy. I have way too many things to think about, worry about, desire, regret. And in the language of Zen, this is called the, uh, the coin of life. It's, it's a very uh, interesting concept. Uh, the coin of life. Or the Genjo coin. It's over in the this style of Zen, Soto Zen, the finder in Japan, uh, Dogen Senji, he took it upon himself to write um, a series of essays as his, to kind of express his understanding or his realization, maybe it's a better word, of Zen practice. And he placed this one, the Genjo Khan, at the beginning. Um, and recently I had the good fortune to hear um, Shuhaku Komura 
wonderful Zen priest and teacher who has spent, essentially he spent his whole life since the age of 17 studying Dogen's teachings. And I heard him give a talk on the title. And he's kind of tantalizing as a scholar. He takes each word, each phrase, and then elucidates the nuanced meanings of it all. And, uh, so Genjo, according to Shohaku, who I'm sure is completely right. <laughs> I also heard him give another talk, and, and at the start of the talk, Dogen was talking about a teacher called Joshu. And he's saying, when Joshua was 61, he went to his teacher, Nanzen. And Shohaku says, well, I have a problem with this. And here's my problem. Nanzen died when Joshua, uh, if, if Joshua had waited until he was 61, Nanzen would have been dead three years by the time he got there. <laughs> And Joshu said he studied with Nanzen for 30 years. <laughs> this everything just doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe Dogen had a kind of a little bit of Irish in him, you know, like. Don't let a few details get in the way of a good story. <laughs> so Shohaku uh, delights in the scholarship of all this. So he took the word Genjo. I've, I've always just thought of it as Genjo Koan, the, the Koan of being alive. And Gen means to show up, to be present. And Jo means to become or to complete. To become the moment, to complete the moment, to actualize the moment. And Koan, Ko. Ko means um, that which is evident that which is um, common experience or public and on the, the, the literal meaning of on is a place to write, to think, to study so studying what's evident. To actualize, to study what's being actualized. Mm -hmm. 
and the notion that to study what's being actualized something has to shift from being too busy doing it struggling against it to just making the time to let it be what it is and see it for what it is making the time to let it be what it is and let what it is teach you let teach you that you're too busy to go around here and you have to go across here going on in the mind and heart when that um, is the urgency that's being lived you know? and, uh, and who of us doesn't know that experience you know it's common it's a public it's evident you know You drive on the streets and you can feel the urgency. You know, places to go, things to do. Once, quite a while ago, I uh, I did a funeral for someone who had died and he had been a, a literary person and a poet and his, uh, his friends in, in the way of we do funerals um, there's a time when everyone and anyone there can speak and speak to the person as if they're present and they said the most eloquent things, you know, they quoted beautiful pieces of literature and poetry. It was really a, a, a kind of like a literary feast, to my mind. Uh, and then his mother um, struggled to her feet sighed, took a breath, and said, he was a good son. And she just said it in a way that stopped time. You, know, you could feel um, everything that was behind the way she said that simple statement you know, 
a slow, deliberate, heartfelt way. She summarized this experience of being at her own son's funeral. This way she um, she expressed a deep appreciation for who her son was. It was so striking to me because it was in stark contrast to the beautiful eloquence of his friends and uh, but she made time she made the moment with her heartfeltness you know And who of us doesn't know what that's about? To, to feel something deeply and fully. Even now when I recall it, I think of standing in the parking lot outside the church and my cousin sent to me at his own daughter's funeral uh, your children aren't supposed to die before you yeah. there's some way we care so much about our life, the ones we love. It's so common. It's so, it's so much part of us. And there are moments like that when it's just so um, authoritative. And I would say, even in those moments of its blatant presence, there's also um, a mystery. What about all the other moments where we're busy? What about the moments when it seems just about anything is more important than those heartfelt experiences? Someone told me today, after his father died, he and his brother we're arguing. 
with, there are three of them. There was the two of him and their mother. And they were arguing about um, one of them felt slighted by the other one about how they'd spent time with their father. And their mother said, as they were arguing, they argued, the person told me, so they argued for about an hour. And their mother said, is that what you want to be saying? And they both paused and the conversation changed. Is that what you want to be saying? It's a beautiful question, you know. As we start to come into contact, you know, and we hear the the clamor, the rattle of our own mind rattling around in its own stories. Uh, we know life is precious. We know life is limited. It, it, we know that the authentic, heartfelt expression has a value, an integrity, and a wisdom, and a compassion. And yet, um, sometimes it feels elusive. Sometimes it almost feels irrelevant. Yeah. This is the Genjo Koan, the, the, the offering itself up, not to be criticized, rebuked, you know. Just, is that what you want to be saying? There, there's some way. You know, the world is filled with wise teachings. You know, Buddhism has 2,500 years of them. Christianity has a couple of thousand years of them. Islam, Hinduism, they all have uh, this storehouse of knowledge and wisdom and compassion. with something in us uh, is there to learn from. Some way we're engaging who we are and what we are and how we're relating to ourselves and to others and how we're relating to what we're doing in, during the day. You know, 
So in the Zen tradition, you know, this koan, this, uh, the koan of the amazing process of being alive. And then sitting down in Zazen and experiencing it. And so in the mornings, as some of you know, and maybe some of you don't know, after Zazen, we have what we call a sharing circle. And we I dream up some theme of awareness for the day. And then the next day we come back and offer our reflections of practicing with that. And this morning I offered this statement, uh, pay attention to what you're paying attention to. And there's several aspects of it. And, and one is, like, pay attention to what your mind's doing. I mean, are you just chewing on some odd story that's filled with either yearning or aversion, you know? Just pay attention, notice. What's, what's taking up air time in the world of your thinking and feeling? And then another way the statement can be thought about is like, do what you're doing. If this is what you're paying attention to, pay attention to it. That kind of way of making time. Let this be the whole story. Make time for this to be the whole story. And the heritage of Zen is, even though we act like we're doing, you know, even though we change the batteries like, well, this is exactly what we had planned, you know. We planned that the batteries would run out and you'd all have to sit there and wait while we find some new ones. Or maybe just the illustration that whatever you've planned, things are going to go the way they go. <laughs> and hopefully you've learned enough about life to just give this the time it needs and let it happen. And th this 
inquiry. You know? Can the inquiry itself have as much curiosity as it has um, dedication? You know? Hmm, look at that. Is that what you want to be saying? Is that what you want to be thinking? Is that what you want to be doing? Not a rebuke. I mean, we conjure up the most wonderful stories. And some of them are even true. Mark Twain said, there are many tragedies in my life, and some of them actually happened. <laughs> Watching our mind in that way. Hmm. You know, how amazing. In Dogen's fascicles, the title, Genjo Khan, the title of any of the fascicles, that's the whole story. You get the title, you can skip the rest. <laughs> or maybe you're ready for the rest, you know. It's like, it sounds the same, you know. You sit down, and you remind yourself it's amazing to be alive it's amazing to come up with what I come up with the thoughts, the feelings, the memories the person said to me today after his mother said is that what you want to be saying? He turned to his brother and he said, you know, I didn't mean to hurt you. I mean, who of us haven't had circumstances in our life where that would have been a good line to say? <laughs> I suspect not a one of us didn't have an occasion where well, that would have helped. And then the other brother said, that's good to hear. And amazingly, that changed the conversation. The koan, the obvious case, you know, you know, we tend to think they're exotic, you know, rare occurrences that happened in the ninth century in China. But uh, really, they're just a for instance. They're every day, they're common.
just watch any period of zazen, just sit. It's sometimes it's so helpful when we're stuck in something to get curious, to pay attention, to make time to engage it. experience it. Maybe the, the danger of this koan word is that we think it's to set our mind thinking more, figuring out. But really it's more a statement like the mother saying he was a good son. Its authority, its gravity draws us into presence. So. And as we sit Sazen, we learn about being drawn into presence. You don't make it happen, you give over to it. And that process keeps teaching us, like a con. <laughs>